Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibu First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. the winter solstice. The days are closing in, darkness coming ever sooner these days. In traditional times, our people would have left the coast by now and headed inland, following their four-legged food supply. In what is now known as Newfoundland, that would have included caribou. Today, it would more likely be moose. It's a complicated relationship we have with the moose, introduced to Newfoundland a little over a hundred years ago. We love the meat, lean, organic, with a slight gaminess that reminds us of the woods. The same woods they're destroying because the terrain can't support the population. In Grossbourne National Park, nibbling moose are keeping the next generation of forests from developing. Woodland is turning into grassland. Across the water, moose are causing the same problem in Cape Breton, or Unamagi, as it's called by the Mi'kmaq. But unlike on this side of the water, Mi'kmaq in Unamagi have had a key role in dealing with moose overpopulation, a role that recognizes tradition and land rights. It's part of an official arrangement they have with Parks Canada for forest management. A moose harvest is part of that arrangement, and it's carried out by Mi'kmaq hunters. That doesn't sit well with the non-Indigenous hunters who have protested the harvest. But Cape Breton Highlands National Park, where the hunt takes place, is on traditional Mi'kmaq territory. Mi'kmaq people assert a treaty right to be consulted and to have a special role in the harvest. Perhaps there's something for Mi'kmaq people in Newfoundland to learn from the experience in Unamagi. The Unamagi Institute of Natural Resources works with Parks Canada on the moose harvest. The Institute represents the five Mi'kmaq communities in Unamagi. Clifford Paul is the Moose Management Coordinator at the Institute. I spoke to him about moose, Mi'kmaq tradition, and the protests. In, in Unamagi, we have a very unique situation. <clears throat> we have a limited uh, number of moose in a limited geographical area on an island. So we have a, an isolated pocket of moose. Um, and what's happening there is that um, northern Cape Breton, there is no um, uh, predators, no natural predators for moose. There is uh, very little uh, brain worm and no ticks. And in the 1970s, we had a massive uh, spruce budworm devastation up in the Cape Breton Highlands, and <clears throat> in the regrowth of, uh, of such a, you know, after devastation of a softwood forest, the regrowth was hardwoods, and the hardwoods represented a lot of food for uh, moose. So with moose in the area with no predators, no basically no hunting, uh, no... Uh, parasites, and lots of food, the tendency is for them to make uh, more babies. 
ideal ideal conditions for the moose. Uh, too ideal. Yes. Too ideal for their own health and for the balance of an ecosystem. So yeah, they responded by uh, from a from a. Uh, spruce budworm infestation uh it led way to a change in the forest which led to um an overpopulation of moose yes as as so often happens the unintended consequences when you're trying to fix one problem you you cause another one um what and and tell us about the effect of the the moose overpopulation on the um on the forest in that area yes uh, yeah, so what you have is uh, you need a boreal forest to support not only a moose population, but all the uh, members of an ecosystem that with, exist within an ecosystem. And what happened is because there's so many moose, when you have a natural regeneration of a forest, a younger forest, uh, a mature forest will lead way for a young forest to take over. Uh, the natural succession um, did not occur because the uh, moose were impeded and, and uh, bringing to a halt that natural succession. So you end up getting changes to the landscape. Mm. And in this case, uh, we've had boreal forest that converted change into uh, savannas of grass. Mm. Which is not a feature of a northern boreal forest and it's not a feature for uh, boreal forest animals to thrive within. So they created an imbalance and um, literally um, eaten themselves out of house house and home because 11%, well, they did a study within the National Park and they found out that 11% of that boreal forest in pristine national park, in a pristine national park, was changing. And that change can be attributed to moose overbrowsing and not allowing a new forest to grow. So you've you've had a an arrangement with Parks Canada over the past number of years. I think your last uh, the last hunt is just uh, finishing about now. I think the first part of uh, December, and yes. you've had the hunt for um, for a few years now, and this is the the final year of that pilot project. Yes, it's called Bringing Back the Boreal Forest, and harvesting is a major component of that um, project, and MIGMA involvement is not only in harvesting moose, but and it's also to bring young people there and to help uh, plant trees in the, na- in the Cape Breton Highlands National Park, to also bring our youth there to uh, help and assist with some of the uh, on-the-ground work that they've been doing, um, there's a few other projects that are uh, related to the bringing back the boreal and harvesting is uh, most appealing to the media. So yeah, so harvesting is a major part, but it's not entirely limited to harvesting, but we do, we do have input into, uh, into that project. Yes. Yes. And as you say, it's the, it's the moose harvest that uh, gets most of the media attention and, um, I don't think as much this year, but in previous years, we've had some protests by non-Mi'kmaq people in that area who think it's unfair that uh, that Mi'kmaq uh, get preference in doing uh, in doing the hunt. Um, this year, I think not so much, as far as I can tell. 
yeah, excuse me. Yes, that's true. Uh, we had um, very little uh, interference in, in the form of uh, protests and, um, you know, public outcry. Because the project is uh, speaking for itself. From the Mi'kmaq perspective, it's speaking for itself. And um, we are out there to do a, a good, uh, safe, uh, make good, safe work of it. And uh, we're out there to uh, help restore balance to an ecosystem. And uh, that's devastated by uh, by moose, uh, overpopulation of moose, and the and the uh, ecological damage they prevent. So, and what is the what is your arrangement with Parks Canada? What um, uh, they uh, they uh, provide some assistance in in the hunt? What's the the breakdown the in tasks? Is, uh, with yeah, with the Mi'kmaq Nation uh, uh, of Nova Scotia. So the arrangement is done through the Udamagi Institute of Natural Resources, where I work out of, on behalf of the Assembly of, no- of uh, the Assembly of Nova Scotia Chiefs, and uh, we work in partnership with Parks Canada. Uh, the Mi'kmaq are rights holders in this province, um, and we have uh, uh, through our Treaty rights. We have a uh, uh, jurisdiction. Uh, so when it comes to matters of natural resources, you have the province and you have the federal government that are bound to uh, consult and work uh, very closely with the Mi'kmaq people. So uh, the arrangements uh, were made between the, the leadership and, and uh, provincial and federal governments. So this year, with our, well, in, in the last four years, in the pilot project, the Mi'kmaq have been asked to uh, to uh, use their traditional uh, ways of knowing, traditional knowledge, combine that with modern Western scientific knowledge, take the two-eyed seeing principle, and assist in the um, bringing back the Boreal Forest project and um a major part of that, of course, is harvesting of moose because they wanted, excuse me, a 90% reduction of moose in that study area. Mm. So, how many uh, how many moose were harvested this year? We've had uh, 16 moose this year, and we had to end the harvest early last week due to uh, uh, weather. Mm. The weather and the, the early snowstorms have brought an end to it. I have interesting figures, though. <clears throat> We've had, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 138 moose in the past four years of that project. And that's a 20 square kilometer um, section of North Mountain, which is only 2% of the national park itself. Mm-hmm. And out of there, we took out 138 moose in four years. That represents 63,480 pounds of meat. That's 31.7 tons. Divide that further up into meals. That's 190,440 meals for Nova Scotia Mi'kmaq families and non-Mi'kmaq families. Hmm. Uh, that is a big um, contribution. Uh, to the 
family tables yes. <laughs> across the province. And that must be a big operation, too, uh, distributing moose uh, all across um, the province of Nova Scotia because you have to, uh, of course, cut it up and you have to keep it cool and distribute. So that's uh, an entire operation yeah. in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. And um, over the years, the it went the moose meat went to uh, First Nation communities. It went to some food banks. It went to uh, quite a bit of um, like uh, organizations such as the uh, justice system uh, for uh, people that are in prison and having a like a, a healing powwow or stuff like that. We've uh, brought in moose meat for there. We brought moose meat to the Nigma Native Friendship Center in Halifax. Food banks on and off First Nation communities feed Nova Scotia, and our harvesters hunted on the condition of anonymity. They did not uh, tell the world they were out there. It was all under uh, under uh, I'm not saying a veil of secrecy, but they were uh, just told not to uh, share their names or anything with the social media during that harvest period. So they. Um, and what was and what was the reason for that? It's just for uh, to keep our critics at bay, and mm-hmm. so that they would not be targeted by yes. um, by uh, protesters and uh, people who uh, will uh, for people to uh, act, you know really uh, look at them as uh, a target. Yes, you know, let me be the face of the uh, project <laughs> and the, the leadership. But and, our harvesters and, went there, and you know what? They made the biggest contribution, and they done it anonymously. And guess what? You'll never see that on the headlines. Yes. Because they're more interested in the controversy. And mm. for us, it's not controversial. We've done a traditional harvest. We've done it in a respectful way, using modern and traditional uh, ways of knowing and practices. Let me ask you about the uh, traditional approach to um to the moose harvest by Big Bob people because of course we get uh, you know we're familiar with the uh, you know the sort of <coughs> big game uh, hunters that uh, come up to our territories from the states or whatever um, but uh, of course um, the Mi'kmaq approach to uh, to hunting uh, moose will be much different. Tell us about how you chose the hunters and um, and what the <coughs> difference in the Mi'kmaq yeah. approach to hunting is. Our harvesters were selected and recommended by their community members. Our harvesters, um, I have uh, two leaders in the, I work with who uh, work on the selection of the harvesters. It's not my job to uh, choose the harvesters. I'm too busy myself working on the details, working on, uh, on, uh, uh, on the project itself. But my job is not to uh, select these harvesters. I, uh, I've uh, instructed two of my uh, best co-workers to uh, take on that task, and they took it very seriously. And they brought in some uh, uh, fit people who are physically fit, uh, mentally strong, traditional in their approach, and uh, very efficient in the task. So. Uh, a very hardy group of harvesters were selected, and uh, they've done a great job. Mm. And they brought uh, reverence and respect to the land. They've done ceremony. They offered 
tobacco for every moose harvested. They've done prayer, and they've uh, respectfully brought the uh, food back to the communities. And not only the food, but uh, the hides, antlers, people that requested certain parts like the hooves and the uh, shin bones for craft and uh, tool, tool making. Um, they provided what they can for the communities. And uh, I would say um, they've done a remarkable job and uh, you couldn't ask for a better team. So if we were out there in the in the woods with the hunters and, um, you know, they... Um They've got an animal, and they go up to the animal. Uh, what what uh, what would be the protocol for um, for dealing with that uh, moment? What would they do? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, for they, what they would do is they would uh, surround the uh, the animal with uh, tobacco, and they would offer prayer for the spirit of that animal, and to let the animal know that it. To remind the animal that you are a gift from the Creator, and my role as a harvester is I'm a facilitator of that gift. So I've accepted this gift, this gift from the Mother Earth, this gift from North Mountain, this gift from the from the moose. So we let the moose know that it did not die in vain, and that it that the moose will be used to uh, the spirit will live on in our people because we the moose is going to nourish. Uh, families uh parts are going to be used for tool making and crafts the hide is going to be uh taken to some of our elders who work exclusively on uh on moose hide tannin and uh raw hides and stuff like that so we ensure that traditional approach because we want to ensure that the animal the spirit of the animal and all the other animals in that ecosystem understand that yes we are taking a life but we are doing it with respect and reverence and that we are facilitators of a gift we accept the gift from the moose who offered itself and we make that gift part of the community Clifford Paul Moose Management Coordinator for the Unamagi Institute of Natural Resources Closer to home, Grossmore National Park also has a moose management program. Hunting is currently underway and continues to the end of January. Licenses are issued in the provincial draw system and there's no involvement by the Halibut First Nation. And that's it for the show. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Celebration time is with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on Bay of Islands Radio, in Norris Point and Waukee Harbor, tune in on the Voice of Bombay, and in St. John's, catch us on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.